Hi folks and welcome to episode 11 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, the episode for July 2014. I'm your host, Bart Pushots. Joining me today, we have, I can safely say, a spectacularly good panel. Um, we have Alison Sheridan from the InnoSillaCast podcast with us again. Hi, Alison. Hey, how you doing, Bart? Excited to be back on. It's great. No, you, we, you're a voice we haven't heard here in a while, so it's great to have you back. I know you, you don't like being on because then you can't listen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard when there's shows that I really like. It's like, well, no, I don't want to be on because I don't have the show to listen to, and I'm not quite narcissistic enough to listen to my own shows. I hate listening Almost. to myself. A pretty good way to make sure I don't listen to a podcast is have me on. <laughs> also back with us, I think it's been a while as well, we have the wonderful Gazmaz from the MyMac podcast. Hi, Gaz. Good evening, and probably good afternoon to Alison, or even possibly good morning. I don't know. It's it's, it's that time thing again. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back from holiday, and I was really pleased to get the email, or not get the email about coming on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To let the listeners know, I made a bit of a boo boo. When you forget to put the people in the BCC field, they don't get the email. Funny how that works. So none of us knew we were on the show. No, I sent an email to myself telling myself when the show was. Which I already knew. Ah, but because but I... we're professionals, we're here anyway. So yes. Thank you very much. And also the third person <laughs> I have to say thank you to for showing up at short notice is uh, Nick Riley, or Nick, sorry, Nick Riley from uh, the United Kingdom of the United Kingdom. <laughs> yes. Hi, Bart. How are you? Not too bad at all. I think you were joking that you're always on the even number shows, so I, I guess you've broken that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought you you not weren't getting enough of me, so I'd come on more regularly. Ooh, always there, you go. Have you on? And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I think is it officially the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland? I think that's. Right. I think that's probably right. Hmm. Anyway, actually, I'll give you a link for the show notes of a fabulous video that explains all that. Oh, oh yes, I've oh, seen that. Face? I've seen it. Yeah, what's his face? That guy. The oh, guy, I just CP Gray. He does amazing yeah, videos. There's one about I just Holland. Did a... Like, if you think the UK is complicated. Oh. Oh, I did do the Holland one, yeah. And I just watched one where he explained the border between Canada and the United States. I had no idea how weird (laughs) it is. That was a good one. Actually, the other one that makes your head explode is the one on the European Union. But, yeah, the European Union is is just all asterisks. (laughs) Anyway, let's let's talk Apple. Um, Before we get into this month's news, just a little quick follow-up on some of the stuff from last month. So last month, the big news was that Apple were buying Beats, and a lot of analysts were like, hmm, that's a bit weird. But they all got over it anyway, and uh, since then, that has now become official. Apple replaced their homepage with a giant big welcome Beats to the family sort of thing. The European Commission gave them the green light to say there were no antitrust issues with the acquisition. And uh, Apple bought Vivendi out of the company. They had a 13% stake, which they paid 404 million for, so I guess they were millions they couldn't find. (laughs) and it would appear to be all done. Although what strikes me is at no point did I ever see a news article saying that the U.S. government had approved the the acquisition. So, So Bart, I I looked into that. I looked into that because that got me curious, and uh, Apple Insider's interpretation of that is that they just didn't choose to scrutinize it. They don't have to scrutinize everything, right? So I guess the process is you say we're going to take someone over, you have to give X amount of time notice, and then the government can choose to investigate or not. Right. 
but there wasn't any overlap to speak of in these two companies, really. So they just went, eh, whatever, go do whatever you want. Well, that's the conclusion the Europeans came to as well. Right, except they spent money figuring it out, and the U.S. just went, nah, we're too busy <laughs> yelling at you for everything else. <laughs> so, yeah, it would appear to be a done deal, which is good. Um, the other thing then that we talked about was uh, obviously OS X Yosemite, and we said there was a public beta coming up, which had never happened before. And it did happen, and it was so popular that Apple servers fell over in a heap. <laughs> Any, anyone do it? I, I actually didn't, but did, any, did anyone on the panel partake? I did not. Nope. Oh, I, I don't actually have oh, a good. spare Mac. Yeah, I've downloaded it onto my uh, uh, MacBook Air because I, I, I only use that very occasionally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all right. But, although I didn't, uh, I didn't go for the full. Uh, I didn't want to muck up my iCloud, so I didn't do that bit of it. Ah. So, it, so it's actually not that different. Yeah, I was going to say if you if you was going to jump in, you needed to jump in with both feet, didn't you? Really, to, to make the best so. use of it. Yeah. So, but would you not want? Well, and iOS eight too. Yeah, would you not want a second iCloud account then, so as not to risk damaging your actual data? Oh, well, I suppose I could do that. I haven't thought of that. So how, I mean, everyone was always afraid that this look, you know, the change in look was going to be really galling. Is it off-putting or do you get used to it very quickly? I'm not sure I like it very much. Ooh. Um, I'm not sure, comma, I like it very much. (laughs) I'm not sure I like it very much. (laughs) No, I'm not sure I like it very much. Uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm I'm not the kind of person who um, immediately dismisses things out of hand because they're different. Um, but I just feel that it lacks character. Hmm. But perhaps that's just me. Okay. Now, I've been looking at the screenshots and it's like, hmm. You know, iOS 7 had me excited. This has me going, hmm. So I guess we'll see in I a think, few months. I think they've been doing a trend towards making everything look so much the same that it's I mean I, I personally think the whole chrome look is a problem uh, from a usability standpoint I, I how many times do you try to grab a window and you grab the wrong one because they all look exactly the same well mm. that apparently is something that one of the things that is going to be better in Yosemite because the oh, okay. drop shadowing has been made stronger so that the front window is more fronty Right, but I'm saying if I've got two window, I've got a window behind another window. Mm-hmm. I can't tell that it's mail versus a calendar. Where those used to be, oh, I mean, I know I'm going sorry. back five years, but they used to be real different, and I never had that problem. So maybe it's prettier, but less usable for me. So you'd prefer the the, the Steve Jobs era leather bound address book, etc. <laughs> no, I don't think uh, Alison said that. I think she said more <laughs> differentiation, but I think. Yeah, I'll no, <laughs> I never did hate this skeuomorphism, so I might be. I did not say that, but I will be as bold as to say that I prefer skeuomorphism because I think it, it helps. Whatever the, the analogy I give is at our gym, they put in these. We used to have these metal lockers that you walked in with your lock that you knew the combination from since you were six years old. You put it on there, and it was ugly as heck. But you know, yours was the pink one with the green piece of tape on it from when you'd been painting your garage, right? Right. They replaced them all with these beautiful, gorgeous wood. Cab, uh, cabinets that have these very, very difficult to read dials and every single one of them looks exactly the same. So now they have to pay a woman to walk around with a key to open people's lockers because they can't find them. <laughs> that's, that's to me what the Chrome thing is like, okay, it's real pretty, but if it makes it harder, that's not necessarily a good thing. But by allowing each app to put their UI straight into the menu bar, won't that make them more different again? Um, elaborate. Okay, so you know now at the moment every window has the three traffic lights, then it has some sort of title, and that's kind of it. 
Uh-huh. Whereas in a Yosemite, it doesn't have the title. Instead, if you have buttons, say in the calendar, the, the top row of buttons, they're just put straight up into that top bar, which means all of the top bars are different. Oh, I did not know that. That sounds fun. So maybe that'll work. I'll love it, whatever. I like change. I, I, think we'll, I think we'll figure it out. I mean, have you ever, as an experiment, tried to go back to OS 10.3? <laughs> no. no. I wasn't, pa- I wasn't part of the Mac community with 10.3, so I can't. Luminous blue, very, very round, very, very glassy, very, very 3D buttons. Which animal was that, Mark? A panther. Right. Stripes, pinstripes on every menu. I mean, the pinstripes have been gone now for a while. They've slowly faded them out. I mean, we got from something that different to here, and we didn't really, you know, we made it through all of those changes, so I think I'll make it through the next one. What I find interesting is you can you can look at a screenshot of um, iOS 6, 5, mm. 4, and you can still tell exactly how to use it. That's you know, true. it's it's enough the same, actually, that it that it's uh, it's it's pretty consistent it's really a lot of look and feel that changes but not the metaphor yeah, yeah. But, did, yeah. but would you want them making major changes each time nope nope no i, I want I, it to I look different say, and bother me exciting. they're just they're just funneling you into the direction they want you see <laughs> i'm not even sure it's funneling i think it's a case of if you have a good model you tweak it you don't well throw yeah, it out. absolutely yeah absolutely don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater precisely <laughs> windows 8 well, that, that, the problem there is it's all bathwater, <laughs> right? And dirty bathwater at that. Oh. We'll get back to Windows actually later in the show, so we'll save that. Um, okay. Let's let's do our little look at some statistics for the for the month of July. Um, Apple say that iOS seven adoption has reached ninety percent, which goes to show that having more updates that are smaller is a good way to keep people with you. I guess free helps too. Well, you know, I, I got in this argument with my uh, my buddies over on the SMR po- podcast, and their answer was, "Well, yeah, it's because it's free." I don't buy that at all. I don't. I mean, I'm sure that changes the barrier that it that it's higher, but I don't think that's the the major contributor to to why uh, you see those kind of adoption numbers. I think it's because it's very rare for iOS apps to break when you go from one iOS version to another. Well, mm. I, I think they also make it easy on whatever particular device you've got to be able to upgrade as well. You know, yeah. it's it, just right it, there in your face. Well, it's not only that; it's it, it goes back a few models. I mean, I know it doesn't go back a long way, but it mm-hmm. does go back far enough. I mean, my daughter's got i um, iPhone four, and she's on the latest um, iOS. I mean, you can't do everything that yeah. uh, the latest devices do, but. She's on the latest software, so you know That's there, a good point. there's a little bit of that as well going on. I think. Yeah, which is easier for Apple to do because they don't have twenty billion different. Correct. Yeah, correct. And when you think about it, they they all also everyone also gets lots of reminders. So every mm-hmm. time you get an app update, it'll say, "Oh yes, now now works with iOS seven. Oh yes, now works with iOS 7. And so eventually, people think, "Oh, I suppose I ought to upgrade to this because I'll see what it's like." I'm always surprised when I see somebody who hasn't upgraded. It, it's just, it's confused to me. I can't, un, I, really? Why would you just not push that button? What's the disadvantage? It's when you see those little red badges building up on the settings icon. You're like, why are you pushing that to make those red things go away? <laughs> <laughs> OCD much, Bart? Yeah, maybe a little. I'm the kind of person whose recycle bin is always empty because otherwise it looks cluttered. 
<laughs> Which completely removes the point of having a safe place to keep stuff you may regret deleting. But anyway. Wait, right are you talking about the trash can, Bart? Yes, I am. Because I think it's called Recycle Bin on Windows, not on the Mac. Yeah, okay. So you know where I've come from. It's <laughs> okay. We forgive you. That's what happens. But that, that, of course, that, that figure gives a lot of kudos to Apple. They can use that, that information in selling the whole ecosphere, especially to the developers, of course. Yeah, because it means all the new cool stuff is available to them, available to them. So it, it, it's really good for us because our apps get better all the time. Mm. Yeah, imagine having to write for so many different versions of the OS for, for Android where on the Mac they're just like, okay, so if 90% are on this OS, why would I bother trying to write for backwards compatibility? That's not going to be a, a big issue, right? Right. It, yeah. actually said, it actually said in the article right at the end of it that that was one of the one of the issues about Android, but I'm not convinced that it is. You know, I think um, Android writers will write for fairly recent OSs, and they'll just it's not, just it's not that it. they have to write lots of yeah. It's not that they have to write lots of different versions. They just don't bother. Yeah, so but then again, they don't get the kind of sales numbers either. That's true. That's yeah, true. But off. I think that's how it happens. But perhaps that's how they get their sales numbers by writing, you know, for the newest version, so they can get it updated and get new people coming along. Whereas with in in iOS, you get a lot of people from whatever version they've got will suddenly, if if an app suddenly becomes popular, it doesn't matter what iOS version you've got, you can suddenly have lots of sales from an older phone. Whereas if they do that same thing. On the Android side, if they've got a new app but they've got an older phone that can't use it, then the sales, they're going to lose out on sales. So, yeah, I, I, I think Apple's got the much better uh, process and they've got the much better ecosphere to be able to work in. Well, that, that's true for like from really from a low level up because <clears throat> Apple's APIs are more developed because basically they're OS X's APIs, which so they sort of inherited them ready-made. Apple's development environment is very mature. Xcode is now, you know, it's an amazing app. And then you have only a few screen resolutions to worry about, and Apple sort of takes care of all the rest. Now, I'm not a developer, but my understanding is that on, on Android, you can, uh, they've, they've got a lot of the development written so that you can, it's scalable to different screen resolutions, so they don't actually worry about the screen resolution as much as one might think. Well, they do still have to worry about it. It's the other permutations in the hardware that really causes trouble because not all phones have all buttons. Yeah. Right, right. Which but screen resolution, I don't think, is a huge deal anymore. Well, you've got to make sure that your UI is readable. It's like right, a, but it's I think it's it scales. Web developers, right? So a web developer will write a responsive web page, which they need to test across multiple resolutions by taking the edge of their screen, dragging it in and out a bit, and making sure it works. And Android developers, crudely speaking, have to make sure the same thing is true. Okay, but you know it's not. Ooh, this is it's it's not their biggest concern. I'd say their biggest concern is the fact that every device has a different mix of hardware. I think we can definitively say the the ninety percent number is not a bad thing. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Um, another number that sort of caught my eye because, well, according to the media, Apple are doomed. Don't you know? Um, doomed. Doomed. Absolutely. So the best-selling phone on the planet is the iPhone 5S. <laughs> they had better come out with a, a bigger screen phone because this strategy is certainly not working. They can't. They have to. <laughs> Wait, I'm, what? I'm trying to remember the name of the analyst who said that if Apple – he said this about six months ago, that if Apple didn't release an, iF, an iWatch within three months, they were doomed. It was a chip, chip chow, chowdery? Trip chowdery or something, wasn't it? It might have been. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, doomed, I tell you, doomed. So I just thought that was interesting. 
And then the last number. Yeah, I but he did, did. Did he give a time scale on when they will be doomed? Three. He um, said, but, "Oh no, you're right. The doom yeah. could be. Yeah, the doom could now be certain." It, but That's right. Yet. Now, now they might bring it out, you know, eighteen months down the line. But then, twenty-four months or thirty-six months, they could disappear. So he could still, still be right, you know. But if you wait long enough, you know, when civilization <laughs> collapses or whatever, he will he will be correct eventually. But I don't think the causality will be because they didn't get an eye watch out. <laughs> I'm very tempted to get a decal, you know, for the for the for my um, MacBook Air with uh, just the word "doomed" under my Apple. <laughs> you wouldn't even make it into that. Yeah. Um, the last thing I just want to put under this notable numbers section is just a little note to say that I am not anymore reporting on PC sales numbers on this podcast <clears> because uh, Phil, Philip Elmer DeWitt did a nice little bit of research on how IDC, etc. Yeah, no, I'll just use it. Make up their numbers because that's kind of what they do. And if you don't believe me, I will stick a link to the article into the show notes and then people can read along. So all of these, ooh, PC sales, blah, blah, blah. I'm just not believing those numbers anymore. So I'm only going to report on solid facts. I've got to say, um, Bart, I've always doubted numbers from any sales organization when they sell products over such a wide scale through so many different companies through so many different distribution channels it's always difficult it's always but difficult i always thought that they used some sort of logic didn't you i mean Bart, I, <laughs> well, well according I, to the article they do use logic they use stuff like well last year we said it was this and it can't possibly have risen 25 percent. so we just ignore these sixteen thousand units that our numbers tell us exist well, yeah, so the article he's talking about uh, to the listeners is, is from Fortune, and uh, I, I, I want to bring it up again to, to look at how many phones were missing. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Horace did you said there was a 77 million unit discrepancy in their mobile phone data between things he knew to be true, and, and they were just like, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, or sort of like that. Yeah, how do you 77, 77 million. I mean, it's not off by a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, and, and part of what it came out, but you can't use millions. Yeah, tens of millions, tens and of part millions. of it was Apple was. Uh, they said uh, Apple was had sales falling when Apple was reporting strong double digit growth. Yeah, so the prediction for the earnings call we're going to get to shortly was that Apple would have a slight a slight decline in Mac sales. Apple reported almost twenty percent growth. In Mac sales. You know what's depressing about that, though? That means we have no comparisons ever to make. Because right. one of the things that has been interesting is watching Apple continue to have a rise in sales of the Macs mm. versus the PC sales going down. But now, for all we know, the PC sales are going up, too. Right. And the problem is that not all manufacturers release numbers, which is why the analysts have to guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we need analysts. You sort of thought it was educated guessing. Yeah, it would appear there's less education to it than I had hoped. Don't, don't worry, there will be another organization at some point in the future that starts coming out with verified, accountable numbers for PC sales. Don't worry, it'll happen. Don't worry. I hope so. <laughs> Whether it'll be true or not? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another point. But <laughs> Okay, let us move into our quick roundup of the courts for the month of July. I um, do enjoy this bit. <laughs> Yay! Well, I've cut it down, right? So I know, Alison, you said that I shouldn't do something on the show if all I do is say I hate it, which is a fair <laughs> point, right? So I have decided that in order for a story to qualify for the legal bit, it has something has to have actually happened, right? <laughs> a judge has to have ruled on something. A jury has to have decided something. Simply walking into a courthouse with a document that says you would like to initiate proceedings is no longer sufficient. Doesn't count. Okay. Right. So with that in mind, it's much easier to do this section of the show. And so 
I also want to sort of weave a narrative. So I want to follow along the big stories so that we don't have surprises when suddenly there's developments. I want to follow along the big stuff like the ebook case. And then anything else that's not as big, I only care about it when something really happens. So that's going to be the way I'm going to put this together, which means that for this month, we just have three stories. First up, we visit our good friend, Judge uh, Cote, or Cote, or however you pronounce it, and the lovely ebooks case. It was a confusing month. Um, at the start of the month, the judge uh, described Apple's settlement they negotiated last month with the states for $450 million as being unfair to consumers. So I thought, okay, well, we know where this is going. She's going to throw it out. Then at the end of the month, she said that uh, she issued a preliminary ruling preliminarily accepting it. Uh, but then she set a date for November to have a hearing to make sure. So I don't know what's happening there. So I want to make sure I follow this closely and carefully mm-hmm. to catch the subtleties here. They negotiated with the states mm-hmm. who agreed to this. Mm-hmm. Then she told the states, no, they're not being fair to you. Well, she's saying they're not being fair to the customers who live in the states. Okay, but, but aren't okay, the no, constituents from those states the ones responsible for deciding whether it's fair to their customers? You would imagine so, being a representative government and all that. Yeah. But then in her, okay. in her, in her preliminary acceptance, she said that there was probable cause to find that the proposed settlement agreement is within range of those that may be approved as fair and reasonable. <laughs> okay. Which sounds like she likes it again. So I don't know. But anyway, so basically, the, the, of course, the big thing about this settlement is it has a giant big if statement in it. The if statement is if Apple lose their appeal to a higher court. And if Apple win that appeal, then this whole thing goes away, which is kind of nice. Anyway, um, we have an end of a court case. Uh, you know that Apple are suing Samsung, and then you know that Apple are suing Samsung again, which I'm calling Apple v. Samsung 1 and Apple v. Samsung 2. They're in the Wait, same there's court. only two? No, no. This is in the no, that he's talking about, Alison. Come on, Alison. Are you paying attention? That he's this, talking about. This is just down the road from you, Alison. <laughs> no, no, no. But there's a lot more than two, aren't there? No, no. In, so in the court, in, there's only the two in the American court system and the, the, the big wow. cases. It's just so loud. It sounds like more. Correct. And they <laughs> yeah. don't end, really. So, right, right. <laughs> this is the one where they won a billion dollars, if you remember way back, only it isn't a billion dollars anymore. They changed it and they yada, yada, yada. The Apple were appealing the ruling that they couldn't get an injunction, and Samsung were appealing the ruling that they lost. And Apple have said they're going to stop appealing not getting the injunction, but Samsung are still appealing not winning. And Apple have said they're not going to keep looking for the injunction in that case. They're going to instead look for an injunction in case number two. So Apple have consolidated all of their annoying court cases into one annoying court case. So is is what you're calling Sam, Apple v. Samsung 1, is that the one where they were awarded a kabajillion dollars and then... That's the one. Okay, so they but they're not standing dollars. down on that, though. No, they were awarded a billion dollars, but they didn't get the injunction they asked for. So Apple Okay, so it's appealing, just the injunction part. Yeah, so Apple were appealing not getting the injunction. Samsung were appealing the one billion dollars part. Got you, got you. Okay, so the, Apple didn't give in on that. No, 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 no. Apple okay. have just stopped fighting for the injunction. They said instead gotcha. they'd like the injunction in the other case. Okay. So, there you go. And finally, a good news story to end on. Um, There was a company called Emblaze who had a court case which they filed in 2009 against QuickTime, or rather against Apple for technology in QuickTime. Uh, A jury found that Apple were not infringing the patent. So that is hopefully the end of that, unless, of course, there's an appeal. Five years. Yeah. I never (sighs) even heard of this one. I remember reporting this one on, on a previous podcast. Like, th- oh. this, is, this is why I don't 
this is why I'm not doing stories about court cases starting. Just, yeah, because by the time you've finished, Apple will have been doomed and disappeared off the face of the planet. <laughs> Correct. So it, it's nice to end on a, on a court case that involves patents that doesn't involve bad news. So okay. that is a patent that Apple are not infringing, problem solved. And they Apple all wins. ended happily ever after. <laughs> well, <laughs> Pending not appeal. all of them. Not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Pending appeal. <laughs> So let's move into the big news stories of the month. And we have one, two, three, we have a couple. Um, so obviously, we'll, we'll just start with the one that made the most noise at the end of the month, because <clears> that was most recent in my RSS reader, which is it was June, and therefore the end of Apple's quarter three, because they can't count or rather they've moved the year so that the start of the year is the end of the year. It's or that's standard around here. That's not Apple being silly. I know it's not Apple being silly. It seems US to be whatever month silly. you set up the company in, because I noticed micro, was it Microsoft were talking about their Q4, which came out the same month. Right. We're just used to it. You never know when the Q is. Yeah, so for Apple, June is Q3. Okay. And that means that between March and June is what counts as Q3. Anyway. It's just interesting you know, some since European they were formed on April 1st. Some European yeah. companies are silly, because this is the end of quarter one for us, you know. But it's a calendar. It should be end of quarter two. Who, look, just get on with it. My accountant told me one day, he said, you have a choice when setting up your company. You can either report your earnings the date you started the company or you can switch to sync with the calendar year. And I said, I'll do the latter, please, because I'm really bad at this. <laughs> just picture Bart trying to do essentially time zones in his head. But yeah, like no, it's just way easier. <laughs> Tax, calendar, they agree. Carry on. Anyway. Um, so we'll start with the big numbers and then we'll get into the, uh, what we think about them. So revenue, $37.4 in three months of money coming in. That, that makes my head explode, which was a record, but every month seems to be a record, so okay. Uh, the earnings out of those $37 billion coming in were $7.7 billion, which breaks down as $1.28 per share which I'd like you to store away in your head for a moment, so 1.28 per share. That gives a gross margin, which are grossly high from a consumer point of view, of 39.4%, which is up from 36.9%. So the stock market loved the fact that Apple basically made a profit of almost 40%. As someone who buys Apple stuff, that seems less nice to me. I'd like it a bit lower, please. But anyway, um, the interesting stuff for, from our point of view is what Apple sold. That would be 35.2 million iPhones, which is up 12.6% from this time last year. 13.2 million iPads, which is down 10%. 4.4 million Macs, which is up 17.6%, or nearly 20, so not down. And uh, strangely enough, even today, they are still selling 2.9 million iPods every three months. That's, three, <laughs> that's almost 3 million. You buy iPods? Things iPods. Wow. Now, that's uh, down, right? Oh, but the, remember the classic or the um, the uh, what's it called? Oh, the touch. The, 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 the touch just went down one. in price and yeah, okay. got cooler. True. Now it is down. So last year it was four point six million. So this this year for the same quarter it's two point nine, which is effectively three. But it's still a lot of devices for something that we all thought was dead years ago. Um, the dividend will be paid out to all shareholders who own Apple stock as of August 11th, and it will be $0.47 cent per share. So Apple made a profit of 1.28 per share, and they're giving everyone 0.47. So 
So. Can can I jump in on those top end figures, Bob? Oh, please do because you know way more about this than I do. Well, I don't know that I do, but but just looking at those figures, those gross margins, you, they're getting back up to the sort of margins that they were a few years ago. They suddenly started dropping down on their margins, and uh, obviously analysts in the city don't like that. But actually, you said that you don't like that. I actually don't mind it as long as they're putting money back into research and development and creating great products. So making good margins gives them the ability to do the stuff that a lot of other companies are not able to do because they haven't got the margins and the money to be able to play with so from that perspective yes we'd like them to only be making 10 percent and have really well, cheap no, products we would actually i think that's pushing it too far well well yeah but they're getting they're getting back up to the margins they were before what's interesting for me is the fact that they've got they're up on their iphone sales they're down on their ipad sales hmm. and they're up on their mac sales so where's all the margins suddenly coming from it tells me that iPads actually don't make as much money as perhaps we thought they did. And the new iPhones, because obviously the iPhone 5S must have been rushing out the door, for a new device has suddenly been making a lot more margin than perhaps um, than people possibly would have expected. Max, I think they've always made a lot of margin, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I have um, to tell you this, though, Gaz. Apple is de- declining the percent of sales that they spend on R&D. As of 2012, anyway, it had gone from 4% down to 2% over the that- course of four years. That's a big drop, and I think that um, that that should turn around. They need to turn that round to to pull that back up. Now, it, it, if but they're sitting on piles of cash, which is nice. Oh yeah, they've got piles and piles <laughs> well, and piles. Of they cash. have piles, well, as we'll see in a moment. They're not sitting on all of it. Um, but 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 for me, the, those figures they're, they're going back to where they were a few years ago. Um, that sort of profit margin for a company it means it's not doomed for a few years yet. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Percent. That's a lot, though. Like, right? You don't want to end up with Apple being a de- another Dell, right? Because if you're if you're on such teeny tiny margins, you can't you can't take risks because the risk could kill right. you. If you can't take risks, you can't be innovative. If you can't be innovative, you can't be Apple. Yeah, the pro- the problem with having too high a margin is that actually you're then getting lots of money which the analysts want you to spend it on something, which I think is where you're possibly going a little bit later. We are going there, but also there's, there's also the way around, right? If the margins are too high, then every time Apple charges you $29 for a bloody USB cable, you feel quite cranky about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't mind it as much on, on the, the devices. It's on the yeah. little stuff that yeah, it, no, you're agree. right. I yeah, agree. because I think my MacBook Pro is worth the price I paid my MacBook Pro. The new lightning cable I bought because I accidentally rolled my wheelie chair over the other one, that was not worth the money. Anyway. So in terms By the of- way, total I looked at total dollars expenditure in the last from nineteen ninety five to twenty thirteen. I dropped a right. link into the chat there, um, according to Two Owl, and it's uh, gone through the roof. Not as a percentage of sales, but as dollars spent, it's it's skyrocketing. So that's oh, good. Oh, sorry, yeah. If we're t- if you're measuring R and D in percentages and the company's making a uh, an excrement load more money, then the percentages will look wrong, even though the actual dollar amount... Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes it sense It all depends there. on... Oh, yeah, actually, that same link, Bart, you might want to put it in the in the show notes. That same link gives you R&D as a percent of net sales, and it has taken a recent uptick in percentage, but it's only up to 3%. What we, what we don't want them doing is spending so much money on R&D that they start coming out some really wacky 
weird ideas that nobody wants. Well, they can spend it as long as there's a someone forming the spend Steve it Jobs. just so come out with it. Steve Jobs was <laughs> Steve Jobs' genius was to say, yeah, sure, bring me all the prototypes, all the prototypes. I'll tell you which yeah. ones of them are rubbish. Bin, bin, Answer, bin. <laughs> As opposed to Samsung that just throws it out in the market to see what happens to it. Yeah, throw it to the wall, see if it sticks. Um, now, you see, the thing is, right, so if their margins are high and they're putting the money back into the company, that makes me as a customer feel good. But if they're just giving it to shareholders, I don't really feel quite as good about it. <laughs> so $8 billion were given to said shareholders in the last quarter, which uh, through both dividends and share buyback, and that brings the total they've given back since they announced the big plan to give money back to $74 billion. And the plan is to go as high as 130 billion. So that, that that's the sort of keep investors happy bit. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember talking about this when they first came out with the plan, and I, I think we calculated that it would only take them a few quarters to make the money back that they were offering to give back to the shareholders anyway. So I mean, they're still sitting on a pile of cash, aren't they? True. True. Um, just to, to sort of round things out, the you know you tell the, the way these conferences calls work is you tell them what you made, you tell them what you think you'll make next, and then you have a chat. So the what we think we'll make next, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, no, you're pretty much wrong. <laughs> so in terms of what they're expecting for the next three months, started in June, so two months from now, is uh, revenue to be between thirty-seven billion and forty billion, which is sort of on par with the thirty-seven point four from this time around. Gross margins between thirty-seven and thirty-eight, which is again creeping up towards the forty. And uh, operating expenses between four point seven five and four point eight five billion. That is what is expected. So then we get into the chit-chat stuff, which is where the analysts ask questions and Apple. Well, they're stuff. doomed though, right? Because gross yeah. margins are going from 39 down to 37. <laughs> Clearly, end of the world, over. <laughs> I hope there's some big questions in there about the increase from 36.9 to 39.4 margin. Well, I, I think actually, the, the, see, the margins, if the margins are going down in the next three months to where they were, in June, that means they're spending money on something new coming out usually mm. because it costs money to do new stuff. You know, I was trying to think about that, Bart. I, I wrote some notes of what I wanted to, to say against mm. those numbers, and I was thinking, okay, well, you've got uh, – you do have non-recurring engineering expense right before you, you do a new device, but they aren't in that phase right now. So this quarter should have been – this quarter, last quarter should have been bad. Next quarter should have been good but no, because when they start selling them, that's when they start recouping the but no, Right, in terms of the- – Right. So if you if you imagine the iPhone 5, when it came out first, it probably cost them twice as much per device than it does once they get it figured out. So even just if you look at it, you know, the price to make a thousand iPhone 5s, the first yeah, but day they should they be, started making... Uh, there should be a long contractual agreement on the costing for the manufacturer mm-hmm. there. That that wouldn't just suddenly disappear. Um, you know, there would be, there would probably be an agreed step down, but for me who would pay though if the yield is low if 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 apple are saying no to a whole bunch of them who pays for that i wonder is that a problem for foxconn or is that a problem for apple that'll be in the contract that that, that's a long-standing contract that they'll start at the the very beginning of the the manufacturing process Hmm. well anyway it's I, I think I think that, that those iPads being down quite so much and the Macs and the iPhones up just goes to show that they are not making as much on the iPads as people perhaps perceive that they might be. You mean because the profit's not going down much and yet the iPad's dropping? By 10%. The, 
Yes, the the iPad sales have dropped by ten percent, but and the margins are up, which indicates to me that the the margins they make on the iPads are as not as much as they make on the phones and the Macs. Well, there are also a lot more phones, like thirty five million phones versus thirteen million iPads. Now, there's way less Macs, of course, but like you say, each Mac is is, is a grand at least. Mm. So that all adds up pretty quickly. Well, so, 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 some of them damn phones. True. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta work hard to spend the ground on an iPhone. On an iPhone. Yeah. I also think that um, whereas people will continue to buy new iPhones, um, or well, phones generally, mm. um, I, I think probably the tablet market is slowing down. Anyway, I, I, I heard, yeah, I heard somebody else say that they've actually made the iPad almost too good. <laughs> well, yeah. that's not a yeah, that's not a bad thing unless you're an analyst. <laughs> or a stockholder. Um or a stockholder. Yeah, but it seems people seem to have expected that the iPad would have a shelf life or sorry, not a shelf life, a usable life about the same as an iPhone. So you get an iPhone, your twenty four month contract is up, you get an iPhone. But I meet an awful lot of iPad ones around. Yeah. And even even amongst the uh the tech geekery of us I mean, we're definitely not upgrading every model or even every other model like we do with the phones, right? Most of us are yeah. going, well, you know, from yeah. the from the 3 to the Air was was a, a nice jump, but a lot of people went from the 2 to the Air, you know, or to the Mini. I'm on my second iPad ever at the moment. And I'm yeah, supposed me to be too. one of these nerds, so, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm, I've got an yeah. iPad 3. Snap. I think I'm on my third... Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I got a yeah. I, I came in at the start with a one, and then I now have an iPad four. <laughs> and I probably I don't see myself changing that for quite a while yet because it's lovely. If yeah. someone gives you know it, it's <laughs> if someone says, "Would you like an iPad Air?" I'm not going to say, "Oh, why no." The, the <laughs> thing is, though, there are a lot of less iPads are sold on contracts, aren't they? The phones there's an awful lot of phones that, that are sold on contract, so I think that makes a big difference as well. And you sort oh, of feel, psychologically. Yeah, because don't you feel that when your contract is up, they owe you a new phone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, the contract causing that. That's that's you'd be onto something, guess. Anyway, Gaz, you were wondering where some of the extra money was going. Well, one of those things was answered in the talky bit. Um, I can't remember whether it was the CFO or Tim, but one of the Apple bigwigs said that actually their fastest growing business is iTunes. And it is being driven by app That's sales as well as music and stuff. So content, which isn't doesn't show up on those sales numbers in terms of units shipped, because it's not units shipped, it's bits pushed around. And it's making them good money. Now do they do they pull out iTunes on its own disrelated from the app store? No. That is all iTunes. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, presumably they don't include the Mac App Store in that. That is the iOS App Store and iTunes Ooh, club together. No, no, no. I'm pretty no, sure it's, it's combined. All, all of it. All, all combined. All of the bits. Right. Basically, you have the, the circuit boards and then you have the bits. <laughs> I wonder if they'll ever bring their 30% down because they're making quite so much money from that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lovely humorous response to that. Oh, you were kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I wasn't kidding. Actually. Yes, we're making giant piles of money. Let's make less. People will pay us this amount of money. Let's let's not do that. Well, to encourage more developers into that ecosphere, though, Alison. I don't know. Well, remember, 
that 30% isn't a 30% margin because Apple have to host all the yeah. infrastructure yeah. and those 30% are also subsidizing all the free apps. So their actual margins on apps are a lot less than their margins in general. But you get to a point, Bart, where the infrastructure doesn't cost too much more, but you're still mm. charting the 30%, of course. Yeah, but the bandwidth, I... bandwidth does scale along with how many of them you sell. Well, some yeah. of it doesn't am... keep scaling, but some of it does. I am fascinated by people who complain about the 30%, um, as, <laughs> especially on something like books and that sort of thing. Has anybody ever priced out <laughs> what it costs to have a book on a shelf at a store? You know, yeah, yeah. 30% does not sound like that big of a number to me. I'm pretty sure if you asked your average, you know, author of your average novel, how would you feel about 70% of the money? <laughs> well, actually, now, funny thing is, I, uh, when I went to Silverstone, I, was, I, I met up with a, uh, an author, and I asked him whether he preferred his books being sold through um, a certain big uh, online retail store um, with lots of trees uh, similar in, in its name, uh, or Apple. And he said, he preferred the big jungle one, um, mainly because of the quantity that go through them. Yeah. Oh, the, the, because you've got more eyeballs looking at the books. Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm. But and, I'm I, and saying... I asked him the question about what happened, you know, to his cut when, uh, you know, they they sell the book really cheap or you know it's so ridiculously cheap that he says he still gets uh, an X cut and he's happy with that. So does does he get numbers like seventy percent? Uh, no, he certainly doesn't get that sort of uh, that sort of rate because I think he goes through a, a third party as well. He has to go through a publisher himself. Yeah, yeah. So you're going through a publisher and all that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. an interesting game. The publisher, of course, does add value because they're there to proofread your book and stuff. So oh yes, yes. So as well as making some of their extra profits through iTunes, we also know where some of the money went. Um, in the last 21 months, not including Beats, Apple bought 29 companies. Again, not including Beats, five of those between March and June. <laughs> so lots of companies. Swallowing them up like krill. Yeah, and you know the standard. <laughs> we, we know some of their names, but we don't know an awful lot of their names. And you know, Apple's standard comment is always, uh, from time to time, Apple buys smaller companies. We do not discuss what our reasons for doing so or something along those lines. And that's kind of what we hear all the time. And they don't even have to tell us what they're called unless they're above a certain size. And then we well, have to tell the SEC. I'm sure that we'll find out in one of your earlier sections, namely the um, uh, the legal cases, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to uh, certain patents and things along those lines, possibly. Well, I suppose, Actually, yeah. Find, I find it more uh, logical when I hear that they buy little companies than this Beats acquisition. Because because the the success of the company is so much based on the culture that they've built, yeah. I just I, I don't think that the Beats acquisition portends good things over time of the the culture clash that they're going to end up with. Yeah, no, it, it's easy if you have a big culture. It's easy to take a few people in and they'll assimilate. To use a perhaps <laughs> not perfectly appropriate word, but it's much harder to assimilate two things of closer to equal size. Yeah. I was part of a very large company that got acquired by another company, and they, they bought uh, three large companies at the same time. And they basically went from about 20,000 people to 80,000 people overnight. And just the, just the problems in language, just the, the words that you use to describe things when there's not even anything contentious going on, was, it was phenomenal how many misunderstandings that we were having where we were maybe saying the same thing and we get in an argument. 
And what was terrifying was what if we thought we were agreeing and it was the other way around? I mean, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, and if, yeah that's, makes maybe, me nervous. that's definitely too much to swallow, right? When it's bigger than you. <laughs> yeah. But I think your point here, Bart, is it would be really interesting to find out what those companies were. Yeah, because, I mean, I have a feeling a lot of them are purely, what is it, what's the, the fancy term, aqua hire, which sounds to me like you're renting water, but uh, <laughs> I believe it's you're requiring, tal- you're requiring talent by hiring. I, li- I like Alison's analogy of, you know, a big whale eating krill. It's just, yeah. But are they eating the krill because they want their patents? Perhaps, that's probably true for some. Are they eating the krill because they want their engineering? The talent? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or are they eating their krill because they want their marketing? Are they eating their krill because they have, in the case of Beats, it's obviously... It's probably, it's probably going to be yes. a combination of all those things, isn't it, really? It, yeah, sounds, so like sorry, it, sounds, like, it sounds like they've got a man in the corner who's actually saying that uh, everyone comes in and says, hey, uh, this guy does cool stuff, and he's saying, buy him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy does good right? stuff, uh, buy him. Yeah. And Tim did make a point in the chit-chat bit of saying that we don't have a quota for how many we have to buy. I'm not, you know, the money isn't burning a hole in our pocket. We're buying them when it makes sense. We're not doing it to a schedule. We're not doing it to a budget. We're doing it when it's sensible. And I hope that's true. But it's, it's certainly the right thing to say. I'm sure they're doing it to their plan. I hope so. Still using that funnel. <laughs> um, they also then, now this news came out obviously this month, so it couldn't possibly be in the quarter they were talking about. They have also confirmed to having bought an app called Swell Talk, which is some sort of talk radio app. So again, another one of those interesting acquisitions. Now, just the last section I have here in, the, in my notes under this, uh, con- or this earnings call is some context by looking at how other people are doing in the same sort of area. So uh, our friends in Samsung also had an earnings call. <laughs> it was less good. Uh, their profits are down almost 25%, their sales are down, and their guidance for next quarter is low. So, Apple is doomed. They better make that big screen iPhone because that's the, I mean, they really got to compete with yeah. the market share that, yeah. wait, what? And basically, and Samsung are basically saying, yeah, our Galaxy 5S didn't really sell as much as we thought, which is a problem because that Galaxy 5 came out against no new phone from Apple. Now they have great hopes for the next one. That's why it didn't do very well. You think? Apple oh, are going to come out. They'll, they'll, it's like, it's like a weather front going forward. All the birds will actually use that weather front for, to fly from one position to another, and that's what Samsung are doing. Apple come out with a new device, and they'll, they'll float on the back end of that. So people are in hmm. flux. People are changing. People are buying new phones. Now's the time to entice them. <laughs> well, I just, I, I just see it that in. It, it, I think this proves the point that a lot, a lot of analysts have, have said about Samsung is they, you know, they've copied. They don't really come out with any. Oh, they have real nothing new... to copy. That's what's wrong. <laughs> That's exactly it. Well, in terms of them doing something original, though, there's a related story which, to me, is actually more bad news than the earnings call, which is that they have cancelled with no new date given of when it's going to happen their promised Tizen phone. So, you know, in order to go places, they need to break free of the yoke of Google's really quite you know, ever more aggressive tactics to retain control of Android. And so they need to break free with their own phone. But they've just had to cancel that project or at least delay it indefinitely. Oh, well, have they delayed it because they're not making enough money? Now, that takes us back to Apple making a lot of money and being able to do lots of development and the sort of stuff that they want to do, which actually makes us happy when they come out with new shiny things, whether it be software or hardware. Fair point. Or is it just that Google stamped their feet and they've had to back off? <laughs> well, it may be, but that's, Could be. That, that's more worrying to me than, being, than sales being soft for a quarter. 
Yeah. So I wouldn't like to be the Samsung. Well, I wouldn't mind the money, but I don't think I'd want to be ahead of Samsung. Not a fun job at the moment. Um, then Redmond had actually a mostly good quarter, except for the fact that they bought Nokia, which meant that they missed expectations because the Nokia deal basically cost them eight cent loss per share. Uh, which meant that their earnings per share were below what people wanted. But they still made $23.4 billion, so I don't think you'd call it a bad year. Lots of billions being thrown about, isn't there? Mm. Staggering to me. that These companies make in a quarter what economies of small countries make in a year. Yeah. And now they're laying a lot of the Nokia people off, aren't they? Yeah, that's, I have that. Where do we have that in the show notes? Well, who saw that coming? Um. <laughs> yeah. Good point. So, you know, no, go on, Alison. Were you going to talk about the uh, the layoffs there? I I have I just looked down and they are further down in the show notes. Okay. Uh, I, I, I wonder a different big topic. Okay, I will hold off. Okay. Um, plan on some brilliance later, though. It's going to be amazing when you hear it. Noted. Um, Can't wait. <laughs> so, anyone have any other thoughts on the big earnings call? I thought it was just another big earnings call from Apple, really. Yeah. You know, Apple made all the money. Same old, same old. I was just impressed with that margin going up quite by quite so much. Yeah. That you know, that is that's a big jump. That is a big jump, and there would have been lots of chatter as to how they did that and where that came from. So I'm surprised there weren't more questions on it. To be honest, well, I'd like to, I'd like to know what they're talking about in business schools right now. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Okay, I want to do that. Teach me how to do that. How do I do that? Well, which is actually very boring and nerdy because an awful lot of Apple's secret is Tim Cook's efficiency at operations. Supply chain. Mm. Yeah, it's not yeah. exciting, but it's bloody effective. Right, but that's what you want to learn. Yeah. You didn't go to business school for the glamour. Correct. <laughs> now, last month, analysts were stymied when Apple bought Beats. So this month, analysts were stymied again when Apple said... Hello, IBM. We'd like to be partners with you. Or rather, Apple and IBM said we're now partners. And that made everyone go, what the hell? And then I think about 20 million pictures of Steve Jobs making funny, naughty symbols that IBM logos surface on the internet. Yeah, it just goes to show how um, uneducated they are in Apple history, really, doesn't it? Well, yeah, because Tim Cook's an IBM person. Well, it's not only that, but they've had lots of relationships with uh, IBM and, you know, over the years, Apple. Yeah, really? I didn't know that. I'm trying to remember the headline. I think it was sixth time lucky or something. Well, who who, who made the um, the original processor? It was IBM. That was PowerPC. Yeah, yeah. Before Motorola, no, it was Motorola chip. And after Motorola, was, and then yeah. PowerPC. After that, yeah, that's true. But that's not in software stack kind of words. But no, no, true, true. Well, it is. No. I mean, is this about software, or is this much more about the fact that? No CTO in the history of ever has ever been fired for buying IBM. I, th- I think it is software-based, Bart. I think a lot of what's going to can be happening here is in in large corporations in enterprise, uh, the security model is incredibly important, and and putting things onto a, an iDevice is is challenging. And it, there's a lot of companies working on it and making some progress. But I think if if a company like IBM marches in and says, you know, your Lotus Notes is on this now and it's secure, 
it, it did yeah. make me laugh. It did make me laugh when I saw this because my previous company was big into Lotus Notes, and there were a lot of good things to say about it. But I'm not going to defend it here and here. No, now. no, there are no good things to say about yes, Lotus Notes. Yes, I used it yes, for years. There were at the time, but let's not let's not get into that no. argument here. What made me laugh was they've just moved over to a relationship with Microsoft because they can easier put Outlook onto iPhones because they're moving over to iPhones and Apple devices. And then this actual came out, and I know the company very well. They would have already gone down a very heavy route, and they are already buying lots of devices, so they must be spitting blood at the moment hmm. um, because they could have just held off um, because I'm sure that this, um, to, to Alison's point, this is big for enterprise. So... Basically, what IBM bring to the party is a, a replace. Okay, so what, what they bring, what they bring, what they, they bring don't... to the end, what they bring to the party, Bart, is those Fortune 500 companies that they talked about at one of the last keynotes. Okay, but the reason those Fortune 500 companies are interested is because they need something for the digital space that is equivalent to Active Directory plus uh, Exchange on the desktop but, world, and IBM can yeah, provide that. Get outside of, of something as simple and trivial as mail, though. Think about um, uh, CRM and MRP and you know, all the manufacturing mm-hmm. stuff and being able to move all the efficiencies of those things onto the tablet, that a lot of those tools are written in you know horrible languages that don't work well on the iPad. The best you can do is a web interface in. And, but if you could have your – that's the real money makers, right? The, right. the, the, the mail is just – right, then, right. I mean, and that's – They stop making hardware. They're just – We'll make the software to make your Fortune 500 go. And the consulting money on those kinds of tools is, is the, the gravy train of all time. That's where the real money is, not on stuff like mail. Mail's like a necessary nuisance compared to that. <clears throat> yeah. So a big <laughs> Fortune 500 company says, we want to get rid of all of these expensive PCs. We want our people on the factory floor to have these much more suited iPads. We need our entire system rewritten from the ground up to work like this. Hello, IBM. You can do that for us, yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and I then here's think- our consulting contract. <laughs> okay. I, it, well, exactly. I think it's it's from the other end as well. It's from the services end as well. So, I mean, IBM are a big services company now. So mm. they, they've got a lot of influence over what hardware people are going to buy. Yeah. Right. So, so people don't say, oh, I'm going to look at all the market. I'm going to make an informed decision. They say, dear IBM, we pay you X amount of consulting a year. You tell me what's the best to buy. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, and well, that, this all ties in well with the official reasoning that Tim Cook gave, which is that although Apple has devices in almost all of the Fortune 500, they could have an awful lot more. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they have a, the depth they might be. You notice he never says the percentage in those. Yeah. He just says, yeah, yes. everybody's yes. got one. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An iPhone. There is an iPhone somewhere in some microsystems. They don't exist anymore, bad example, but you know what I mean. Right, right. Yeah, so I guess there is a lot of room for depth and having some, yeah, Apple on their own could never really take on business, could they? Uh, they wouldn't want to. I don't think they'd want to. They don't have any knowledge in the area of, hmm. of the big corporate, you know, SAPs and that sort of stuff of the world. Yeah, someone else do that work. But someone yeah. who's good at it. Yeah. And they're, I, most in, they're most interested in selling devices, aren't they? So that's, that's what they want out. I would imagine that's what they want out of this relationship. Look, it's 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 going to sell them their devices outside of the enterprise as well, because once those people start using those devices in those um, businesses, 
<laughs> actually it could sell them it's like a gateway drug isn't it really like, well, i think they already i think they're already starting to in all honesty I think iOS devices are finding that hey, even the company I work for have been holding off for, <laughs> uh, are now having to do a bring your own uh, device systems. They're, yeah, they're but just... I, I think it'll work the other way as well, actually. You know, the, you, you, you've now got this iPhone uh, as your business device. Oh, I always used a BlackBerry and they use, you know, that particular device and then yeah. they end up actually buying an iPad for their, you know, kids at home and perhaps yes. buying a Mac, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll, it'll work for them both ways. Yeah, I agree. And the, the, I guess, you know, the last time they had a big partnership with a big company, it was Google who turned into frenemies <laughs> slash complete and utter competitors. I'm assuming in this case we're not expecting that because IBM are a company who have a history in hardware who have said, no, 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 we're not doing that. We, they have a history of consumer devices. No, 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 we're not doing that. They have moved entirely into the services and software end of business. So... It'd be really hard to see how this deal could possibly backfire the way Google and Apple's relationship did. Well, never say never, but no, it's going to be a more more difficult. Um, uh, they don't have any overlap, right? Not that I'm aware. Well, they do now, but other than their their partnership, I don't think so. Yeah, but that's what I mean. They they don't do anything of the same, right? Which is a good, you know, if you're going to make a partnership, you play to your strengths and to their strengths, and make sure that you don't compete with each other. Yeah, I think they ran out and they said, okay, who's the most opposite of us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be, that you'd certainly come up with that answer. Yeah. Um, anyone else have any thoughts on this? Because I've just looked at the clock, which I probably should have done about 20 minutes ago. Nope. Nope. Okay, I'm now moving on to what I think is an important story to talk to because I have my preferences on things. So... There has been a hubbub, furore, whatever you want about an iOS backdoor. Ooh, Apple is letting the Fed snoop on us, blah, 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 blah. There is an awful, 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 awful lot of hot air in this story. There are interesting facts in there, but goodness me, you have to delve deep on some of the coverage. So all of this dates uh, comes to a presentation given by a security researcher called Zon- Jonathan Zizzi- Easy for you to say. Yeah, easy for me to know. A Z, a Z, another Z. Right. Three consonants is always difficult, but when two of them are Zs. Anyway, Zdziarski. Zdziarski, perhaps. Jonathan. I'm keeping out of this. (laughs) So basically, this chap wrote, he presented a paper to a group of security professionals. He wrote a paper for security professionals. In the security industry, when you're writing these kind of papers, you take an adversarial stance. So you look at the world through the eyes of an attacker and write your paper in that way, which means you use language which is very inflammatory. And unfortunately, none of the journalists taught to translate back to English first. And so they describe it as backdoors and spying on and all sorts of stuff. The other subtlety that got lost is the paper is very long. The slides were meant to accompany a talk. An awful lot of people seem to have only read the slides, which meant they were missing the really, really important point that absolutely all of this only applies when your device has been paired to a computer. In other words, By the way, the have... paper was behind a paywall was part of the problem with that. Well, it's an academic paper, yeah. So yeah. the yeah. fact that they didn't read it is understandable. Yeah, well, then don't report on it. <laughs> but there were those charts. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, but I mean, certainly large news organizations, surely to goodness, they pay for access to scientific journals. If they have any sort of coverage, they should they should. Have well, journals. we're talking about it. And we haven't read it. 
Thankfully, thankfully, there are others who have who have reported on it in a way that makes it possible for us to talk about it. Okay. Short version, if you want to know the, the ins and outs, many ins and many outs, um, Security Now episode 465 is dedicated entirely to explaining in plain English what all this is about. And uh, hats off to Steve Gibson for doing the English translation for us. Makes Can you give us the bottom line? Right. So the bottom line, if you pair your device with a computer, that computer can access an awful lot of stuff on your device. There are also things inside the phone to help diagnose problems. In other words, diagnostic routines, which give, ac- which give that computer access to lots and lots of stuff. That's not really a problem to me. That's just normal. But of course, from the point of view of an attacker, that's great. Where, things, where the paper actually shows a real problem is that these pairings are probably too sticky. Yeah. So if you come to my house and plug your phone into my Mac, swipe to unlock, and click OK, my Mac now has access to your phone forever, ever, 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 and ever. So you should be very careful about when you click OK to pair with the computer. There's also no way to go into the settings app and see all the computers your phone is paired to. I mean, that would be really helpful, because then you could spot if there's something in there you didn't want. And because you can't see them, you also can't easily revoke them. Now, the reason I use the word easily is because if you use the um, configurator app, you can do all of this. But that's not easy. That's Bart, is that that escrow keybag thing that they're talking about? Correct. Because escrow keybag, you can go in and find and see and get rid of. Yes, but that's on the computer side. But you can't go into your phone. Oh, you're right. You're right. From the Mac side, you, you yeah. untrusting it is trickier. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. the problem is, right, so you imagine you're the CIA and you want to get onto my iPhone. It would be very hard to get onto my iPhone, but maybe you get a bit of malware into an email that I accidentally click and open and you get access to my computer. You now take the keys from my computer and now you have everything you need to pair to my phone as me. And it's very hard for me to revoke that. So that's actually the, the legitimate concern is not that if you pair to your phone, you have access to your phone. I mean, I would say, duh. That's what it, that's what it means to trust the phone. Or to trust the computer from the phone or vice versa. The problem is that it's actually, it's not easy to see on the phone all the computers that are trusted. And it's very hard to tell the phone not to trust the computer. Mm. So, so, so I'm yeah, right you, thinking. Go on, Nick. Sorry. Go on. I was just going to say um, it, uh, it's not easy to have a temporary pairing. Uh, and that's part of the problem. The fact that you, you may well want to pair with a computer, which you're going to temporarily um, trust. Uh, but then getting rid of that is exactly the point that Bart's making. It's very difficult then to say, right, revoke it from this point. Do it temporary for five minutes. Do it 10 minutes. Do it until I've unpaired with that particular machine, um, which is uh, – I, I think this will be fixed fairly soon, to be honest with you, Bart. Well, one of the things is so the paper was written for iOS – seven and ios 8 already is actually better about this not yeah not where we need to be but in the right direction so you're right this has now gotten quite a bit of public attention so hopefully that has some boffins over on apple thinking mm, if we just put a dialog box into the settings page where people could swipe and click delete this would all go away so dear apple please listen please do uh, anyone have any other questions on this because it, it, it was a bit of a hot button issue uh, my my only question was: Under what circumstances would you pair with another computer that wasn't your own? Work. Yeah, I'm guessing oh, a lot of people accident. plug their phones into work, even just to charge it, right? Yeah, you see, somebody might absolutely. Somebody has asked me on several occasions to actually uh, plug their phone into my uh, 
cable so they can just charge it. Now, it says trust or don't trust. If they press the wrong button, which is dead easy to do, how they've, they've then got no way to then go into the phone and say, actually, I didn't mean to trust that computer. I want to untrust it. So a malicious charge point would probably trick a significant number of people in clicking, oh, okay, whatever. Mm. Which is yep. enough to set up that trust relationship so the owner yep. of that malicious charge point could just gather keys. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it is, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be harder to undo than to do. And that's it, do, it, isn't, it doesn't sound like something that the vast majority of people would have to worry about too much, to me. N- no, to be honest. And I, 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 don't, I don't or think would it do it even if they had that swipe. Also true. But yeah. right, there is also the case that as fewer and fewer of us are using iTunes to sync to our phones, mm. my iPhone trusts a grand total of no computers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't plug mine in either anymore. Yeah. It, w- it was, I think it was highlighted as being a lot less of a problem than the... Um, media were making out as Bart I think alluded to at the start yeah. yeah, and a lot of it is down to the fact that when you as a security researcher write you write from an adversarial standpoint and that makes that makes for lovely juicy link bait mm. <laughs> right and let's face it you, as, as a friend of mine says ink never refused paper no paper never refused ink <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps to get that the right word anyway um, yeah I do have to say that I plug my phone in all the time to my Mac to open image capture to get all the, the photos and videos off so that I can run updates. Do you trust your Mac? <laughs> no, not really. That thing's been everywhere. <laughs> you should see the software it downloads. I have to say, actually, with PhotoStream, I tend to get my stuff off, long, uh, off without actually having to trust it. As in, without having to plug it in over USB, which is kind of a nice touch. Anyway, I think we shall move on because I've just noticed, well, not just noticed, I've noticed the time is running away from us. Um, I don't know if this, is, if this is actually a big deal, but Apple have a new thing called iTunes Pass, which is sort of like your, your uh, what, what's that thing they call that wallety thing? Passbook in reverse. So normally you use Passbook because you've bought a ticket and you would like to use Passbook to redeem that in some way by getting onto your airplane, by letting them beep that, or by getting into the door of the concert or whatever, because you show someone the barcode and it's proof that you've paid. Apple are using it exactly the opposite way around, so you have an iTunes account, and you would like to add money onto your iTunes account, but you only have cash. You then click on a button to say, create me a passcode, doohickey, and it puts a little 2D barcode into your passcode, and that that 2D barcode allows you to give money to Apple. So you walk into a physical Apple store with your money, you hand them the money, and then they, they scan your phone to know which account to credit it to. So. Strange. Strange. I, I, it does solve a problem, but surely it's a problem that's going away. You would think so. You know, cash only. Um, I think, I think it's, it, I would say it's aimed possibly at the younger generation without too much in the way of credit cards. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yes. Of course, you can't have a credit card till you're 18 because you're not old enough to get credit. Yeah, you know, and uh, Dad, you know, I need another 20 quid credit on my, you know, well, it is 20 quid. How do they then get that sorted? And Apple have now sorted it. So a little kid gets his pocket money, wanders into an Apple store with his shiny $5 note, hands it over, scans his phone, and now he can play Angry Birds or something. It's all I'm thinking. Okay, that makes sense. 
Uh, it's only in a few countries. It started in Japan, it then came to the US, but it's, it's nowhere near global. Um, so I don't know, it just struck me as interesting to turn it backwards. And of course, everyone is saying, hang on, this involves money and a wallet. Therefore, this is a precursor to Apple doing a payment system. But I don't see that. Mm. Anyone have any thoughts or did we do that one? I, I, I think they're just making it, and the, the best retailers make it easy for you to spend your money. True. And this is just part of that process, I think. So it's easy to give Apple your cash. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's how, the... how many times do you go to a website? And I, I've actually done this on numerous occasions. Left a website because it's been too hard to register to go on and actually make a purchase on a particular website. Oh, I have found myself using all sorts of expletives that sites that have a basket full of stuff that I want to give them money <laughs> yeah, for, absolutely. and they're making and it made impossible. It... Correct. Correct. So make it easy. People will spend. Fair point. Um, I want to move on to another sort of little grouping of stories, which is basically the Nadala era in Microsoft definitely changes happening. Uh, We already mentioned the first bad news story, which is the layoffs. Um, 18,000 over the next year-ish, I think. Uh, 12,500 of them from what what used to be Nokia. Now, Alison, I remember you saying that you had brilliance on the way, so... Well, it isn't actually my brilliance, but uh, I'm listening to Twit... Leo kept referring to the toxic culture that was at um, IBM or at, at Microsoft, and that Nadella is coming in and trying to to fix that. And he kept calling it toxic. And one of the other guys, it was either Dan Gilmore or Ben Thompson, had a, a great correction. He said, "Leo, it's not a toxic culture; it's a rancid culture. It's a Ooh. culture that used to be good and went bad." Oh, okay, that's a good. Isn't that yeah. isn't that well? Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was. Uh, yeah, toxic I thought that was really well bad. put. This was good, and it's gone a bit south. Yeah, a point I've seen made is that rather than actually wielding the axe, Nadal has said that, yeah, we'll be laying these people off over the next year, and we'll let you know in a few months who it's going to be. But that means that everyone in Microsoft is now working under threat for a year. That, that's really going to improve morale, right? <laughs> Having lived through layoffs that took a company from sixty to 30,000, except they did it an itch at a time. Ugh. You know, here's a thousand layoffs. Here's fifteen hundred layoffs. Here's ten thousand layoffs. You know, just day after day after. It got to where you'd go to the bathroom and you'd yell, "Cover me!" You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I, so, I don't think that's going to help a, a rancid culture. I know, Gaz. You said um, that uh, uh, it wasn't a surprise that Nokia was getting most of the layoffs, but that percentage of Nokia shocked me. That like, yeah. why do you yeah. even buy it if you're yeah. going to kill it? But uh, maybe that was just, yeah, and and maybe it was something that um, Balmer would never have done, and he was the one who wanted to buy it. You, you think Balmer would have kept more of the people? I think so. Well, perhaps he had a different plan for it. Uh, that's a, you know, we'll never know that. That is a big percentage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's like, hello, we've bought you. Bye-bye. Yeah. I, and to be perfectly honest with you, that – that expectation, whenever a company comes in and takes over, that that would have been the expectation for most of the Nokia employees anyway. Because I know, I know you shouldn't have that attitude, but it's very difficult when a company comes in and, and takes you over for whatever supposedly good, um, you know, um, whatever they want to say that they're going to be doing for you as an organization, you know, 
it never happens that way. But this is this. I, I'm I'm not sure how many people Nokia had actually originally. I'm not sure what proportion of that twelve thousand is actually affects Nokia. Uh, it's a big proportion of the eighteen, Alison. But uh, you know how many people worked at Nokia prior to Apple um, to Microsoft buying them? I. I heard it earlier. It's a giant percentage. It's it's not like half. It's way more than that. Right, right. Twelve and a half thousand sounds like a lot more than just efficiencies, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, we don't need yeah. you anymore. I think I think this this could be one of a couple of things. One, it was already always in the plan, which uh, <laughs> sounds harsh. Two, it's just not working the way they thought it would. Well, yeah, and I guess the fact that. You know, Nokia was the difference between a good quarter and a bad quarter for them isn't going to have helped. Yeah, well, Nokia were already struggling, weren't they? Because their, their smartphone sales were just dropping off the edge of the cliff and they were relying on, you know, uh, less smartphones. <laughs> um, and I think the sales of uh, dumb phones are now dropping off the edge of a cliff as well. So, But Nokia had turned the corner, though, because, I mean... You know, if you compare Nokia to Nokia in their heyday, they're like, they're an absolute shadow of their former self. Mm, you see, yeah, utterly yeah. rule. And then they fell, and they fell, and they fell, and they fell. But with the Lumiers, they've actually built up a new reputation for quality. You know, they, I know a lot of people with Lumia phones, and they absolutely love them. And I know some people who hate them, but you know, they, uh, yeah. But does it? Have them, love them. But but did he entice you to go out and buy one? Part. Well, no, because it runs Windows. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's not that it's Microsoft. It's just that, that the Windows, I, I've used the, the Windows Touch OSs. I forced myself to use one of their tablets for a month. I think, I think Microsoft thought, you know, our wonderful software and where we're going with the, uh, um, with the mobile software and Nokia being a fantastic brand, it would work. And it, it, it's never quite that straightforward. In good news, though, so 18,000 less people, bad. One yeah, less yeah. operating system, good. Windows or T, go bye-bye. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but lack of competition, bad, of course. Well, no, Windows or, no. There's, Microsoft is still going to make an operating system for everywhere we need them to make an operating system. They're just not going to make two that are which almost is, the same which, but can't really Which is good, it. which is good, yeah. Um, it's very unusual, actually. The, the link in the show notes is a link a colleague sent me, which is from CNN Money, which you'd imagine to be, you know, fairly reputable. And I think, you know, Microsoft cancels the most boneheaded product ever or something like that was the headline. I thought that, that's a bit lowbrow for CNN, but it's not entirely inaccurate. Somehow I don't think we have much disagreement on the panel on this matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. The the last thing I just have under the main stories is, I'm not even sure, this seemed to be more than a quick story, but less than a big story. Um, Amazon have launched sort of the book version of Netflix. So you pay them a tenner, $10, it's US only for now. You pay them $10 a month and you can read or listen to, because it's ebooks and audiobooks, as much as you like, which sounds interesting. Only not a single one of the big five publishers is letting their books go into it. Why? Well, I think the fact that Amazon... Well, one of those big five is Hachette, so that that, that sort of answers that. Mm. And the others have returned no comment when they were asked. So is it that they're still in negotiation? They'll be along shortly? I don't know. So it, it's, you know, 
I, I guess there's two parts. So first of all, what do people think of the, the idea of having a book on tap, as it were? Just, I feel like a book, I'll go grab a book. And just never having to buy them, just rent them for a tenner. I don't think it works as well as the music option, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I, I think it depends yeah. on the person. Yes, very much. Whereas, it, it, excluding Alison, most people would say, yeah, I'll you know, spend a little <laughs> bit of, and buy, listen to a lot of music over the course of a month. Um, with books, yeah, definitely very much depends on the person. So um, if you're the kind of bookworm who reads 20 of them a month... Yeah, yeah I've got if, a friend that reads twice, four times as fast as I do, and this is the best thing ever for her. Yeah. I lose my shirt because it takes me a couple months to read a three hundred page book, <laughs> read four pages, and I fall asleep. Right, well, so no, it, it would be. It's the point, Alison, as well that you know. I, I bet you pick up a book, put it down, come back to it a, a lot later, and then pick it up again and put it down, and it you know. I mean, there's a book that I keep returning to, um, and it's um, Bill Bryson. You know, the history of the world and almost everything or something along those lines. And it, it's one of those books I keep coming back to, but it's, you know, I'm, I, I must admit, I'm not a bookworm. Uh, this would be great for my wife, but not for me. I think the, uh, I think one of the big things about it is that it mentions audio books. And I would have thought mm. most of, most of them will be signed up to audible. Yeah. Which is about a 10 or a month, isn't it? Yeah. It's about the same. Well, actually it's a little less, I think. Um, but yeah, but you see the thing is they'll be signed up to audible not this subscription service. So yeah, that, they'll have that, to go. That's and, what I mean. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't see why they want to launch. Really, <laughs> don't Amazon own Audible? Do no, they? no. I, I'm, I think we're talking about the actual publishers. Yeah, they've been in a contract with Audible. But if you have, then have a book with yeah, this. No, but, uh, no, but this I mean, is a completely different service. This being competition for Audible rather than it. You know, than it being oh, they own the books anyway. I don't mean it from that point of view, but I mean it from the point of view of they're obviously competing with themselves here. But it is themselves they're competing with. So does yeah. that mean that Audible's on the way out, and that this is? This I don't is the, know. The I, new... I'd missed. I'd missed that Amazon owned Audible. So <laughs> Pretty, I, I'm, you have me second guessing myself now, but I'm convinced they do. Yes, they do. Okay, yes, they do. I'm not yes. going mad. Okay, because yeah, they um, were initially I, independent, but they were bought. I, I think uh, it's just. I I think they're probably doubting um, the reasons why Amazon want to do this, and and it's you know, I, I for me it doesn't work. Um, perhaps, possibly that's why the book companies are, are backing off for them. They're not sure that it works either. Um, but it being Amazon, we'll have to wait and see because Amazon are very persuasive with the amount of throughput that they have. That is certainly true. Uh, and am I not correct in thinking, because I was looking at it yesterday, that Amazon Prime includes book subscriptions? Does it? I don't, I don't have Amazon Prime, so... Uh, doesn't it have um, uh, I think Kindle? you think of it like once a month you can get a free book or not once a month at any given time you can have a book checked out for free which I forget yeah. about all the time and just keep buying everything I'm not an Amazon <laughs> Prime subscriber so uh, no nor am I it's just I happened to be looking at it yesterday and thought oh I'm not I'm not sure I would have used it but I just thought it was interesting Okay, well, we have, we've run out of time for this one, so I just before we finish up, just a quick mention of some other happenings that weren't worthy of big discussion, but we should probably mention. Um, the march towards wearables continues inevitably forward. In July, we had Apple hiring a tag hire expert or a sales guru. We had Apple hiring two Nike fuel band engineers. 
And uh, we had a patent which the media has dubbed the iWatch patent, but that's not what it was called. Uh, but basically, Apple applied for a patent in 2011 for a watch-like device that could sync with iPhones and stuff, which means that they have been working on this behind the scenes for at least three years, but that patent has been granted and is now published. So... It, although we don't know what it is, it seems inevitable that something wearable is marching towards us sometime, some quarter soon. Um, well, they're, they're, certainly exper- they're certainly experimenting with them anyway, aren't they? Yeah, they've got to be... Yeah, actually, it, maybe it's not that close to ready because you don't hire engineers when you're finished with a product. So maybe, yeah. maybe there's a bit more to go, but obviously they're working on it. This is obviously an area of extreme interest for them. And it, literally every single month since the start of this year, there has been a hire to Apple related to wearables. So there's obviously something afoot there. Uh, the, Europe, the European Commission has told Apple and Google that if an app has in-app purchases, it's not actually free. And so they need to be a little bit more honest about that. Uh, the White House, this is good news for Americans. The White House has said that President Obama will sign the... Unlocking Consumer Choice and Wireless Competition Act, or in English, it'll be legal to unlock your phones again. Which is good. I, I cracked up when Leo was talking about this on because uh, he said, "Well, you know, AT and T's always been really good about this." Well, if you heard my forty-five minute rant on that on my show, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they will not let you do it. Yeah, so now they have to, which is much better. So that that's uh, yeah, that's good. Apple have updated the MacBook Pro marginally. More CPU, more RAM, less money. Seems like a good mix to me. And finally, the Hilton would very much like you not to hassle their people at the front desk. They're going to have an app which lets you do almost everything on the phone. And then rolling out between next year and 2016, they're going to make the doors of the hotel rooms talk to your phone effectively. It's all all Bluetooth and stuff. But you'll basically book a room, you will check in on the app, you will then walk up to your room and your phone will unlock the door. And at no point will you have had to bother a human being. Which, yeah, on the one hand, no queuing. On the one hand, seems a bit impersonal. But okay. Oh, but for geeks, that's awesome. We don't have to talk to people. (laughs) So we can book our room, check in, go inside, open our laptops, get on Wi-Fi and then start talking to people. (laughs) Instead of this, you know, physical interaction. (sighs) All that carbon dioxide. Terribly wasteful. Anyway, that, that's everything I had in the show notes. Um, so thank you very much to the panel, especially since I you know, sort of messed up actually telling you guys that you were on. Um, so thank you for, <laughs> for jumping in at the last minute. Um, I was going to say in reverse order, but I can't remember the order I went in the first time. So uh, <laughs> I'll just go backwards. Start with show Nick. Notes. Nick, thank you very much for joining us. Do you want to tell people where you hang out on the internets? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Spligosh. I think that's enough. Do you want to spell that out for people? Oh, yes. Yeah, so S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Excellent. Thank you very much. Gaz, thank you for joining in. And do you want to give people some links? Uh, yeah, nice and easy. Uh, Gazmaz on Twitter, uh, gazmaz.com. But you can regularly find myself and a guy called Guy Searle. We call ourselves a G-Men over at the MyMac podcast. Which is also on the Stoplight Network, which is where... It certainly is. is. Yes, yes. I always forget that. (laughs) Incestuous as it is. But yes, we we, we were both members of that network. (laughs) And finally, Alison, thank you for joining us. And would you like to give out some links? 
Oh, me? Plug my own stuff? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) On Twitter, you can find me at Podfeet, and my website is at podfeet.com, and I do the NoSillaCast Mac podcast over there. Every other week, Bart Bouchatz is on the show with me. We're doing all kinds of fun fun stuff, taming the terminal, talking about photography, geek stuff, Mac stuff, iOS stuff. It's a lot of fun. Come join us. It's awesome, if I say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be talking to you tomorrow, actually. Yep. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, just before we finish out, just to say that the uh, website for the show is over at lets-talk.ie. The show is uh, free for you guys to enjoy, but not entirely free for me to create. So if you'd like to contribute towards sort of making ends meet a little bit, you'll find two very large blue buttons if you go over to lets-talk.ie. One of them takes you to our Patreon page where you can pledge X amount per podcast. The way it works is you set a number... If I make a show, I get the money. If I don't make the show, I don't get the money. And basically, the idea there is small amounts that will come out regularly. So, you know, 50 cent the show, dollar a show, whatever. That, that's I think a dollar a show. I think we were entertaining enough. And did you guys get a dollar's worth out of this? Come on, go push that blue button there for Bart. <laughs> and I, I love Let's Talk Photography, too. So, uh, yeah, a buck for each show a month, two bucks, two bucks. Come on, guys. Two bucks. And unfortunately, actually, Patreon doesn't let you have two different shows so basically if you support the network you support the two shows so support basically Bart. you're supporting me right basically and there you go i do two a month and i'm very careful to make sure that let's talk apple is always going to come out in the first few days of a new month so that there's never going to be a month where there's suddenly three so it's always going to be two every month i'm being very careful about that and, and then they the get, other they get you on the no silicast for free on top of that bonus True, on the Mac Roundtable, when that's on. <laughs> we should really do one of those. So, someone give Alison some pom-poms, quick. <laughs> <laughs> I am Bart's biggest fan. Somebody's got to do it. Thank you. <laughs> so the other big blue button is just your standard PayPal button. So, uh, you know, that's just for basically a one-off. Here you go. This will help you pay the bills this month. So anyway, any support is greatly appreciated. And, you know, support can be just as simple as telling your friends about the show. So I appreciate it all. Anyway. Thanks very much for listening, and uh, until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi everyone, this is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big yank tank guy. Hey you nitwit Brit, did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. (laughs) Well, thanks Gaz, I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. (laughs) 